This week on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young, we travel to Holyoke, Massachusetts, a town of about 40,000 people just north of Springfield. Known as the birthplace of volleyball and where the Volleyball Hall of Fame is located. It's also where Alex Morse is mayor. At age 22, he was one of the youngest ever elected to public office. Now about to turn 30, eight years later, he's embracing the cannabis industry in his town, hoping to use the tax revenue to revive this former mill town just north of Springfield. He also joins me next on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a very special edition of In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. We are here on location in Holyoke, Massachusetts, actually in the office of the mayor of Holyoke, Massachusetts, Alex Morse, and I'll be introducing you to him in just a moment. But a reminder, this podcast, once again, is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Audio Boom, and of course, a video recording is being made for distribution on the weedtube.com. CLNSmedia.com is our flagship website of the Cannabis Multimedia Network, and we are very, very happy to be in Holyoke, Massachusetts, bringing this to you. As always, In the Weeds is sponsored and supported by the Revolutionary Clinics, now with two locations in the greater Boston area, one on 110 Fawcett Street in Cambridge in the Fresh Pond area, and the other at 67 Broadway in Somerville. Revolutionary Clinics, as you know, that's where the patient comes first, and they have some of the best and most educated patient advocates that I've met in any dispensary in Massachusetts. And just so you want to get to know maybe one of these patient advocates a little bit better. Here's Sarah telling us a little bit about why she loves what she does. It's the best job in the world. Um, So I was fortunate enough to get to be a teacher and a social worker before this. And there is nothing like having patients come back and say, I feel better. There's nothing better than getting to relate to your patients on the bad days and be there on the good. We, uh, being a patient advocate is a very special position because you are a pharmacist, you also get to work with the general public, and we're dealing with sick and scared people. Uh, Medical cannabis, adult use is great. Medical cannabis is a gift. And getting to work in this field is an absolute honor. But now it is time to talk with his honor, the mayor, Alex Morse from Holyoke, Massachusetts. First of all, Mr. Mayor, thank you so much for welcoming us not only into your town, but into your office. I love this here. Yeah, no, welcome to, welcome to Holyoke. We're always happy to host and glad you're in Holyoke today and talk about a really important topic. I appreciate that. And of course, um, one of the reasons why I am here is that you've created some jobs because of the cannabis industry too. Oh, yeah. You have a grow, there's a grow facility in Green Thumb, I think it's called? Uh, GTI, yep. GTI. Down on Appleton Street. Uh, And you took a big mill building and said, grow your stuff here. Yeah, I mean, it's a great example, right? So we have, a couple of years ago, we had about 1.5 million square feet of vacant mill space in the downtown. So think about that. So that was (laughs) 1.5 million square feet. I mean, mean, that's almost a neighborhood in New York, right? Right. So... um, and now you have 50,000 square feet of vacant space that once provided jobs and revenue to the city, um, a living wage for folks, and now it's reoccupied. Yeah, GTI invests $10 million in that space, making it a state-of-the-art cannabis growth facility. You have 50 residents, mostly Holyoke residents, who live in that neighborhood, being able to walk to work, 
get a living wage. Uh, they're proud of what they do. And, um, and you have revenue coming back to the city, not only in the form of commercial taxes, but the revenue via the host community agreement. And so it's a it's a win-win, right? right? And it fits into the neighborhood. They are good corporate citizens, and they're looking to continue investing in our community. And that's just one 50,000-square-foot facility. Uh, right now, we have seven companies that have been approved locally for a special permit. We have 13 companies that I've executed a host community agreement with. And then we have 31 companies in total that have expressed strong interest in coming to Holyoke, many of which have options on properties but are waiting to go through the local approval process and or the state cannabis control commission process. Let's talk about the host community effort because it has been in the news um, <coughs> very often now that there have been some um, backroom deals. Uh, the cannabis commission tries very hard to write the regulations and then implement them. They too have uh, not sure they want to take on the host community agreements, but it does seem to be moving in that, that direction right. for them. Um, just what they need is more on their plate. But you know what? They, they're, in, they're in it to win it now. Mm -hmm. They might as well try and figure it out. They should. Why do you think there is so much resistance to having it in my backyard after question four had passed? I think there's a lot. Of, there's still a lot of misinformation, mm -hmm. <clears throat> and unfortunately, a lot of it was led by misinformed elected officials and public officials that were spouting messages off to their constituents. Right. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've come across, you know, mayors, city managers, town mayors, uh, town managers, select board members that were against Question Four back in 2016. Some of whom have seen the light since and have reversed their positions. Um, you know, you have West Springfield, uh, mm -hmm. right, you know, which borders Holyoke, for example. Their mayor was against Question 4 in 2016, uh, but I presume had meetings with a number of companies and learned about the uh, benefits economic, uh, economically in particular to his community and then had proposed uh, regulating it, despite the fact that the majority of West Springfield voters in 2016 voted against it. And so in those communities where a majority of voters voted against legalization, the city council now could ban uh, recreational cannabis altogether. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the council ended up doing against the recommendation of, of the mayor. Uh, and so I give him credit uh, for reversing his position mm -hmm. and for trying to educate the, the council and the people of West Springfield. Uh, but at the end of the day, West Springfield council decided to, to ban it altogether. Selfishly, you know, when we're looking at Holyoke and trying to attract as many cannabis companies as possible, it's good news. But right. I happen to believe that every resident of Massachusetts should have equitable, accessible access to the industry, to a dispensary. And you shouldn't have to travel, you know, hundreds of miles to get mm -hmm. to a dispensary. There are people in every community that voted yes. It's legal. Um, you know, I've said this many times. I think anything you find at a dispensary... Um, is much safer. I mean, what you find at a local CVS is much more dangerous than you'll find at a dispensary. Mm -hmm. uh, same with a liquor store. And there's never been a reported overdose death from cannabis use. So, right. you know, you tell people these facts uh, and these figures, I think people, they move. But a lot of people have this historical hysteria around marijuana and cannabis. Uh, they It's the reefer madness syndrome. Yeah, they define it as a gateway drug, even right. though the data doesn't doesn't show mm -hmm. that it's a gateway drug. Mm -hmm. um, the biggest gateway drug, again, that we have are, are, are those things we find at our pharmacies, our opiates, and I, I think that's well proven. That doctors prescribe. Yes, and then you look at states like Colorado and those states that actually had medicinal marijuana, mm -hmm. uh, you've seen that 
uh, overdose deaths have actually declined and opioid abuse has actually declined. I mean, people are actually using cannabis to get off of uh, heroin and painkillers and, and everything else. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's a win medically, it's a win for the community. Um, and anyone that's against cannabis use, doesn't want to personally use, wants to make sure we protect our young people, which we should be doing, should be in favor of a tax and regulated system because it makes it safer as well. Mm -hmm. Um, another thing in that in that <coughs> question for in the law that's in place is a is a social initiative where um, the people who have paid a price by going to prison for minimal amounts of uh, cannabis on their possession over the years should be given an opportunity mm -hmm. to come in and get into the business. Mm -hmm. um, it's uh, but as you know in Massachusetts it has really been the success and the rollout of the medicinal program has been. Big money. Investors have got to come in. I mean, I have a friend who owns a dispensary, and it cost him millions of mm -hmm. dollars just to open the door, you know, because yep. he had to go through all the, the lawyers and the filling out the forms and making sure everything was in order, and then mm -hmm. the inspections, and, and everything's under one roof. It's awesome. But he was in debt for quite a few million dollars before he even sold one yeah. pre-roll, <clears throat> as it were. Um, is that social action, is it working? It does seem to be um, one of those sticking points mm -hmm. that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, I would say it's not working yet. And if the state and the commission want to be serious about equity, there needs to be real money put up by the state, by the Cannabis Control Commission, that's providing both technical assistance and grants and funding to actually start up these businesses. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think a single person of color has gotten a license in the mm -hmm. state of Massachusetts yet, which is out a, of the 98. Or yeah, which is. which is just an absolute shame. And so, right. you have what's written in law and you know these goals and ambitions, and then you have the reality. Right. And so, I don't think the social equity program mm -hmm. uh, goes goes far enough. Um, it also goes back to the host community agreement um, argument. I think the Cannabis Control Commission. Um, certainly have it within their jurisdiction already to do that, and so I agree with Commissioner Title in that respect. Mm -hmm. uh, but I am glad that they voted recently to ask the legislature to give that explicit authority uh, to the commission because you do have uh, mayors, you have uh, elected leaders and policymakers around the state that are asking for too much. They're exceeding state law, and they're making it even more difficult for those folks that don't have the financial means to access the industry. Right. Uh, and so I think that's dangerous, and I don't think it's good for the uh, good for anyone. Mm -hmm. Now. Uh, in the past week, there has been a, an event in the cannabis business that was predicted all along that once the um, industry launched and had some success, other companies might come in and buy them out. I'm talking about Netta. Yeah. And sure enough, another uh, group that has dispensaries in, on the West Coast, and I think they're out of Georgia, is where their base is, mm -hmm. Uh, comes in, offers Netta a whole boatload of money, and, and but we don't know how much money, right? No, I have not heard. Yeah. Do you know? No, I, they they said that they lots. That's what I figure. Someone <laughs> someone's making a lot of money, <laughs> right? And and uh, and I hope that there's some kind of a trickle down <clears throat> effect to this, but because the same people will be operating the business that have really done a lot of sweat equity just to get this thing launched. So I, I think that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. um, certainly, a business decision like that. Do you see? Um, that is that going to be a trend? Are we going to see more of that? Do you think more out-of-state people coming in and buying out the people who started it in-state? I think so. So 
it's not surprising what happened in Northampton with Netta. I think it was surprising with how quickly it happened, right? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, people I mean, saw that. and I mean, they opened November 20th yeah, for Rec, I mean, and, <clears throat> and it's January, and they've sold, right. Yeah, it's happened very quickly, much quicker than I and, and others expected. I think we'll continue to see it. It's not only that they're coming in and buying companies after. I mean, I mean, even in Holyoke's case, I mean, GTI is a national company. Mm -hmm. I mean, granted, I'm thankful that a company that was organized and legitimate and knew how to enter the industry was the first company to go through the process because it helped set the, mm -hmm. the tone here mm -hmm. with our city council, our legislative branch, um, that there is a, a good way to do this that's professional. It helped get a, help us get the business community on board, uh, the Chamber of Commerce, to see this more as a business and industry. Uh, and so that helps set the tone. But, uh, but again, how do we be more explicit about making sure there's licenses, that there's funding, that there's technical assistance for those companies that are based here in Massachusetts, um, started by Massachusetts residents and are benefiting our community locally. Yeah, uh, and we're starting to see it. I don't know, have, <clears throat> is there any uh, recreational licensees up in the Holyoke area? Are we looking at any retail operations going to open at any time? Yeah, so we have, we have four recreational dispensaries that have been approved yeah. by the city council for yeah. a special permit have gone through site plan review. Yeah. And so all of them, as far as I'm concerned, are still going through the state uh, licensing process. So right. we expect and we hope that there's at least a couple open in 2019. Mm -hmm. And um, we expect to see a number of more growth facilities as well. Frustration about the slow rollout of this, or is it more that the governor of our commonwealth wanted the this way. He really wanted us, uh, the, the Commonwealth of Massachusetts, to crawl before they walk, before they run. Have you, have you seen that? Do you agree with that? Or do you see um, that the Cannabis Commission is doing the best job they can considering they're writing all these regulations from scratch? I think the Cannabis Commission is doing the best they can with the restrictions and the political pressure that has been put on them by the governor and other elected officials. Mm -hmm. I do think it was unfortunate that a handful of state legislators, after legalization passed, yep. <coughs> voted uh, in informal session to delay implementation by several months. I thought that was ridiculous. Um, it's counter to democracy, isn't it? Not only it? counter to democracy, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to write the regulations, if you wanted to take the lead on this, then you could have passed this through legislation, right? So right. not only do you punt completely because you don't understand the industry. The voters have to do it, and then after the voters do it, now all of a sudden you want to you want to tell everybody else how to actually write the legislation and how you want it when you could have done that in the first place. So right. we need to stop following and start leading on some of these big issues. I mean, Massachusetts touts itself on being number one and number two and everything, uh, but we're behind uh, when it comes to big issues like cannabis. <clears throat> and now you look at the industry, and, and we see districts, uh, district attorneys, uh, attorneys general, um, state leaders across the country universally um, expunging records of folks that um, have been affected by what's legal now, right? Mm -hmm. um, and I haven't seen such action here in mm -hmm. Massachusetts, and so it's been disappointing to see um, lack of action on this uh, across the Commonwealth, frankly. And I, don't, and I totally support that as well. Um, let's talk nationally for a minute, because I, I read a dozen newsletters every day of the various media uh, that we probably, uh, most <clears throat> pro-cannabis people, will um, read and, and get you know, up to speed on what's going on around the country. Mm -hmm. um, there's a financial um, investment in the lobbying effort in Washington, D.C. Of course, right now, the federal government is being shut down, so 
nothing's getting done. <laughs> but I'm going out on a limb thinking there's lobbying being done because people are still looking for something to do every day. They're not just sitting at home trying to answer phones or whatever. Yeah, um, do you see over the next six months, I'm going to say six months, an opportunity to deschedule, excuse me, let me rephrase that, reschedule cannabis before it is descheduled. In other words, taking it from that schedule one category, and even if they move it down one notch to schedule two and putting mm -hmm. it alongside um, the cane <clears throat> industry, the Novocaines, the cocaines, and all of these other drugs that are schedule two, mm -hmm. it will allow the banks to enter into the business. We all know that the, right now that banks can't are being held back by their FDIC regulations or whatever their federal to get involved. This, I think, has to happen sooner rather than later. You agree? How do you yeah. see what's I mean, going to happen? I absolutely agree because the impact from the federal government down has been just had a negative impact, right? So, for example, we're trying to develop a workforce training program with our community colleges, and we've been able to do that partnering with C3RN. A few other organizations in the state, so we'll have one of the first training workforce training programs specific to the cannabis industry with our community college. Nice. So we've had to be incredibly careful around how we how we fund that program, how we form it, mm -hmm. who's involved, to make sure we don't uh, we don't put the college in jeopardy, right? Right. And then second, we have a, a, a network of the one stop career centers around mm -hmm. the Commonwealth now called Mass Hire. So you mm -hmm. have <clears throat> Mass Hire at Springfield, Mass Hire at Holyoke. And so they can't even be involved in helping the local cannabis companies find talent. And so that typically is one of our biggest avenues to identify talent locally and match them up with the positions that are available. But largely, do I think <clears throat> we'll see a rescheduling of cannabis? I'm more optimistic than I was maybe last year. I mean, we saw the Farm Bill and Hemp included in that mm -hmm. over the last two years. And I mean, a pessimistic, a pessimistic way to look at it you know, Republicans now and the Republican lobby are seeing money in cannabis. You now see some of the biggest uh, beverage companies in the in the country now getting involved in the cannabis industry. And other so, countries. Yeah, I mean, people see the money, right? Right. So, and money talks in D.C. Yes, it does. <laughs> and, um, yeah, a lot of our politicians are, are bought and paid for, right? So, and they, they listen to it. And when you look at the donations that people get and how they vote, and so, you know, you see John Boehner, the former Speaker of the House, sitting on the board of a national cannabis company. So mm -hmm. the shift, it's, it's already begun to shift, right? Right. And, uh, you know, even with the you know, former AG Jeff Sessions, who was a huge opponent of pretty much everything, uh, but <laughs> marijuana in particular had even agreed, you know, the federal government's going to be hands-off now with states that legalize. Right. And so yep. somebody is in these rooms talking to these Republicans about what's involved here, what's at stake. Yep. And I think they see the wind shifting. They, they, they see that there's no going back. And now I think they're trying to calculate, well, how can we take as much advantage of this industry as possible? So I wouldn't be surprised to see the administration take some action on this. Uh, there's been some public comment. Well, that was Mr. and the mayor, Alex Morse of Holyoke, Massachusetts. And I just want to again, thank him for that. I also want to remind you that this podcast is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Audio Boom, the CLNSmedia.com network, and the video recording of it is on theweedtube.com. Uh, you should check out the CannabisMultimediaNetwork.com website. It's something I'm very proud of. I put this thing together over the last few weeks. I've got some of the biggest names in uh, cannabis involved with it, including Sensi Magazine, including Green Flower, Weed Maps, Leafly, 
and the MJ Headline News. As you probably know, I too am pro-cannabis and I support the cause and I think the more you learn about what's going on, the more you will embrace this. And if you haven't tried it for the first time, get educated, walk into a recreational facility, ask your questions, they will have the answers for you. So with that in mind, again, we are supported by the Revolutionary Clinics in Cambridge and in Somerville, two locations where you can find some of the most educated patient advocates in the area. They always hold open educational nights, and I urge you to get involved with that. So for Mayor Alex Morse, our Technical Director Steve Helmuth, our Executive Producer Joyce Gerber, I'm Jimmy Young. We'll see you next time on In the Weeds with Jimmy Young. In the Weeds is a podcast produced at the studios of Little Park Media in Wellesley, Massachusetts for the listening enjoyment of our audience. None of the opinions or advice on this program should be considered medical advice or a substitute for seeing a certified medical marijuana practitioner or your local physician. All opinions and thoughts on this show do not necessarily represent the management of CLNS Media Group or Little Park Media.